It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's episode of the show... This is going to be, this isn't, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be a fun one. It's a lot of bad stuff, but I think, you know, as I'm kind of sitting here and putting my notes together, this is an important one. A couple of things, when the Nuggets entered the playoffs, I thought the number one thing I thought they needed to walk away, you know, they, they, you figured they weren't going to win a championship. You wanted them, I think, for feel-good reasons. You want them to go as far as they can, and they're still, look, I, I, I'm going to say this right off the top. The series is 2-1. It's not 3-1, it's not 4-1, it's not over. There's a lot that can happen, and I think um, a lot of the assessment coming out of today, for good reason, um, not just for myself, but from a lot of people, for good reason, it, it's it's going to seem and feel like you know Denver is being um, you know exposed or something like that. I'm not going to use that language. I do not think that is the case. Denver still absolutely has an opportunity to get back into this series to tie it two two and make it a three game series with home court advantage. There's still a lot at stake and and a lot for Denver to gain. Um, but nonetheless, this episode of the show on the Game 3 loss and really about some of the wider trends or one specific wider trend that has um, occurred, it's an important one because the number one thing for the Nuggets in this playoffs was to learn about themselves, where they are weak, um, and, and preferably to kind of learn maybe going forward what changes need to happen maybe that's personnel changes maybe that's you know what type of, of growth and in what areas do players need to kind of approach in the offseason i think some of the things that have happened some of the trends now three games is a trend now through three games i think there's stuff that you can look out with this nuggets team and say yep that is a big deal this is a thing that the team or a player or you know whatever it has to be something that has to be addressed and um, and I think this game more than any of the previous uh, the previous two in the series this game really brought to the forefront a couple of things and they're tough things they're tough things to address um, they're tough things to sort of to swallow some some of the notes but I think they're important so let's dive right in segments one two and three all going to be about this game sharing the notes and and kind of just going through what happened in this game and what stood out number one note here so I'm here in San Antonio I had a miserable time getting here. There was a storm, flew in last night, got rerouted to Houston, spent the entire night there, didn't end up getting into San Antonio till noon today. So my own personal experience so far on this trip has been absolute hell. And the worst part was certainly game three. 
But the atmosphere here in San Antonio, I have to say, it's always fun seeing a game in another arena. You see how they're in arena operations go. You see how their fan base is. You see how things are. And I got to say, it was a stark contrast to Denver. Denver, I would say, uh, in game two, was, I would call it a madhouse. It was wild and raucous, but it was, I would say, intense. There's nervous energy. There's, um, you know, almost vicious, you know, the crowds are, the crowd is amped up, but there's also this nervousness to it. I got to say this game and part of it was the scoreboard, but there were moments in this game. I mean, there was a four point game going into the fourth quarter. There was moments in this game where it was tense. Um, the crowd and the atmosphere and just the way that they, that they kind of got the crowd going. It was like a wedding. This is the number one thing I kept thinking was, man, look at everybody's just having a great time here. I think at the Pepsi center, you have a good time sort of. Um, you know, like you're, you're intense and you're you're booing the other team and this or that. I think at this one it was like uh everybody it was it, like a at a wedding where everybody's just kind of drunk and happy. That's how this was. They were playing like you know oldies, kind of campy songs that if you hear them in like a grocery store, you kind of roll your eyes. And then, but at the arena, you in this atmosphere, everybody's singing along to like classic rock songs and stuff. Um, Can't take my eyes off of you came on one time, like in the middle of the game in a tight moment, and the entire arena just started singing it together. So it was really a stark contrast. This was a joyous atmosphere. Even in the tense moments, you just felt like, oh man, this is a lot of fun. In a lot of ways, it was more fun being a part of the crowd here in San Antonio rooting against the Nuggets than it has been in Denver. And I don't know what to make of that, but I, it was such a big contrast to me that I wanted to kind of point that out. Um, the, to start this game, the number one storyline, and I've kind of alluded to it, I might as well throw it on the table. The number one storyline, uh, Jamal Murray guarding Derek White and, and vice versa. This was an absolute, undisputed uh complete and total domination and in my opinion a humiliation by Derek White at the expense of Jamal Murray and that's going to form the basis of this conversation forget all the other other stuff we're going to talk about but to me this story and this series has really come down to that matchup and in this game in particular that was at the center stage and it was not Oh, there was good moments on both sides. There was no good moments for Jamal Murray in this in this game. There was absolutely none. This was a complete and total annihilation of him, and and so um, that's going to form the basis of this conversation. But right off the bat, Jamal Murray. I don't know if he wasn't locked in. I don't know if he didn't have a, the you know the game plan wasn't clear to him. But he was misreading things right from the start with regards to Derek White. One of the first things on the scouting report for him, he loves to go right. He is a much stronger finisher, especially in the painted area, when he is able to get to his right hand. Well, in this game, he was getting to the right almost every time, and Murray was jumping inside-out dribbles, crossovers. Murray was jumping so hard and biting on those that you thought, what the heck are you doing? This guy likes to drive right, and you're giving him the right hand nonstop. And not just like, you know, giving it to him like, where you're shading one way, jumping completely out of the way and giving him a wide open lane. So Jamal Murray really struggling with dribble containment, and, and I'm going to get to that here in a bit. But right off, of, it was right from the start. It, it didn't take more than a play or two for that sort of for me to kind of be sitting there going, "What is he doing? Does he not know he's trying to go to his right hand?" Um, Jokic, I thought made aggressive off the dribble moves in this one, trying to attack Jakob Pertl. And if you you know, you've listened to the show throughout the course of the series. That's one of the things I think he needs to do to take advantage of him. Pirtle, a great uh, positional defender, but going at him quickly and then also make him move side to side. Don't not these little, you know, 
shimmies and little moves like that. You need to make him actually move because he's just Pirtle does a great job of sort of just not biting on anything. Just saying, you know what? If you're going to go around me, go around me. But you're not going to shake me unless you you know you make me move my feet. Well, Jokic, I thought he kept putting the ball on the floor against him and making him move his feet, and that's the right read. Um, he, Jokic, I thought was very 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 good in this game as he has been for most of the series um, uh, for the most part. Barton uh, lazy closeout on Bryn Forbes. We talked about this in game one. Jamal Murray on Bryn Forbes not, loses him, and Bryn Forbes sees one goes through the hoop. Same thing happened in this game. Um, Murray's on Forbes. Barton's one pass away. Murray doubles the post to Aldridge. Barton has to rotate over, and he rotates, but it's just a lazy rotation. This is Bryn Forbes. You know, one of the weird things about this game is how Denver treats Derek White and Bryn Forbes the same. So if you have, if you're one pass away, and you have to choose between Derek White and Bryn Forbes as the kickout option. You you know traditionally all things being equal, you'll stunt at one, hope your guy can recover, or, or you'll stunt it, or or you'll kind of split the difference and then close out at one. It's Derek White's not going to make threes, if, and if he does, you know you kind of live with that. Um, and it's not like Denver was keeping him from. I'm going to talk about this in a, in a minute, but it wasn't like Denver was giving up wide open threes to him. No, he was driving right around him. But with Bryn Forbes, you don't want to see him get one through the hoop early, and Barton just had a lazy contest there. Um, Murray uh, close out on 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 White. So there's another play. I just talked about this uh, kind of in reverse. But with with Derek White, so Murray has an opportunity. He's in help side, and he has to run Derek White off the three point line. First of all, I don't know if you actually have to run Derek White off the three point line. He's he's only taken I think three three pointers total in the series, and he has dominated it. So maybe you let him take a three or two. But he runs him off, and he does a good job of sort of shading him to his left hand. But again, this is what I'm talking about. Derek White gives a little crossover. Murray jumps it, and then Derek White goes right back to his right hand. So it was one of those things where you think, okay, Murray, you closed out. You forced him left. Good job. And then he jumps out of position. Derek White strolls, walks to the to the three, uh, to the three rim. Now, here's what's scary about it. Jamal Murray has two major weaknesses, in my opinion, that he has had all season, and I've talked about them over the course of this, uh, uh, over the course of the season, number one, uh, and we're going to talk about this one in a second. But he just does not have a very quick step, and he cannot get around guys one on one, especially elite defenders like Derek. Derek White, an elite defender. My God, is this player? Derek White looks like a superstar in the making. I'm not talking about he looks like a solid Spurs. This guy looks like he could be part of their next big three, whatever that that could be. That's how good he looks, um, and and I really believe that. I love the way he plays. I love his game. But Jamal Murray has a hard time getting around guys offensively. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the other part of that, and these two are connected, um, Jamal Murray does, can't defensively has a hard time keeping guys in front of him. And Derek White likes to go right. He's okay going left. Not, I mean, he had a couple nice moves going left, but he had, I mean, maybe three or four. He had like 20 going right. He likes to go right more than left, and he can't shoot the three. So when you have a player that is has those types of not fatal flaws, but those types of flaws, they should be more fatal than they are. And yet, still Jamal Murray is getting beat off the dribble. So if you can sag off a guy, and you know you can force him one direction, and you still cannot keep him from getting not just into the paint, but to the rim, that is a real concern. And for me, this game was all about that. Jamal Murray's weaknesses were on full display, and the Spurs are just picking at him like a scab, just picking at his weaknesses and taking advantage of him in a way that I think was really, really frightful right from the opening tip. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Paul Millsap has been so good in this series, especially in games two and three, about trying to take over early or trying to be very assertive early. And I, and I think why that's important, you know, this is a Nuggets team that um, has been a little bit rattled. They're young and inexperienced. And I just think he he knows that, you know, early on I got to set the tone and let these and maybe take a little bit of the pressure off. And I, I in game two, he did that, I think, 11 points in the first quarter. In this one, I don't know how many points he had in the first quarter, but he had a couple plays early on where you looked at it and you go, okay, man, that was really big because he's helping people get settled. He had seven points, three for three shoot, uh, scoring in the first quarter. Um, and again, he just timely kind of, kind of seems to know the moment what the team needs. Jamal Murray, so he's getting rattled because Derek White is just kicking his butt in this first quarter. I mean, it, absolutely containing him and bottling him up and then going around him at will. So Murray, I think, gets a little rattled, misses two free throws right off the bat. And that was the first sign of like, oh man, this isn't just you know, uh, things aren't going his way. He, I think he knows that he can't guard this guy. Um, and he just kept getting to his right hand. I thought Jokic, Harris, and Millsap, I thought were really good in this game for large stretches of it, especially given what they were up against. Barton is Barton, and, and right now, I mean, he's just he, he's so past due. I'm going to talk about him in a second. So past two for a minute's restriction, and quite frankly, I think being removed from the starting lineup. But to me, this game, Barton was regular bad. Barton tried to play within himself in this game. Uh, six points, you know, two for six, or I'm sorry, two for six shooting, four points, three turnovers was bad, but two for six, like he's, it wasn't like he was jacking up shots. If anything, he was trigger shy. And I think he's, he's so clearly in his own head right now and and lost so much confidence, but to me, Barton was not an anchor in this game. Um, it was a bit of an anchor the way that the team, the, the Spurs are just kind of ignoring him so they can muck up the, the spacing. But it wasn't like he was actively... Um, Jamal Murray, to me, was so much more of, of the story in this game that I just don't think they're comparable. For example, Jamal Murray played a, a bunch in the second half, was a minus 20 in the second half alone, and especially in that fourth quarter, and I'm going to talk about that, You know, Derek White just going right Adam Barton only played five minutes in the second half. Denver gets blown out at the half. They're down three. Um, you know, starters play that first stretch. They're still in the game. It, Denver blew it without Barton in that game. So um, there was a, again. I think Barton is sort of almost at this point a side story. He needs to be his minutes need to either be cut or reduced drastically. I think there's better options for Denver right now. But to me, that wasn't the storyline. Um, one reason I think Beasley and Craig, so the Nuggets get down, I think, nine points or something like that in the first quarter, uh, this, especially in that second quarter, the, the second unit start, uh, stormed back. One of the things that I think is really sticking out about Jamal Murray and Will Barton in particular is they just look so unathletic. And Jokic is unathletic. We know this, but his skill level so high, you know, he can be impactful. But one of the reasons I think Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley have an impact in this series and are, have been so good is because... They're they're just so athletic, so fast, so strong that they they're you know even if they're not doing the right thing, they're having a positive impact on the game. 
Jamal Murray looks surprisingly unathletic and just not like he's up to snuff um, physically to be in a playoff series with this speed. You know, the game speeds up, the athleticism speeds up, the intensity speeds up, and Jamal Murray looks like he's um, being guarded by somebody, um, it, you know, it looks like a, a sixth grader being guarded by a ninth grader, where the athletic difference is just so much that it, it's overwhelming, um, and then vice versa on the other side. But Beasley and Craig, their athleticism, I think, has been really, really, um, uh, you know, they, they, they've just they've punched. Malone today said after the game, it felt like they didn't feel us. You know, we felt them all game, but they didn't feel us. Well, I actually think that second unit, the Spurs were feeling them. You know, they, the Nuggets were the aggressor. They were di- they were hitting the offensive glass. They were getting into the paint. Defensively, they were atta- they were on the attack. Um, and I think a lot of that does come down to uh, to the athleticism. Five offensive rebounds in the first quarter alone, and I went back, and I'm, I'm probably going to do a deep dive on the Murray thing here in a bit, but one of the things, the the Spurs are getting a lot of offensive rebounds off of Denver's guards, namely Barton and Jamal Murray, and namely Murray, because he's the one you know guarding guarding White, or they're trying to put, early on he was the one guarding Derek White. Um he, they get past that first line of defense, and Millsap and Jokic have to step up. Otherwise, it's a dunk. I mean, otherwise, you're going to get that Derek White dunk on, you know, at the rim again. So they're stepping up, and they're trying to play in between. Shot goes up, and there's nobody to box out because the breakdown had already occurred. So um, the rebounding, some of it is guys missing assignments um, and just not blocking out. But I think most of it is that first line of defense. Um, Nuggets made a nice run. Spurs went big. They went with Bellinelli on Monte Morris, which was kind of funny. And that second unit, again, shot the ball extremely well. Malik Beasley, silver lining. I mentioned Jokic, Harris, and, and Millsap all look like they're ready for the moment. They just look phenomenal. Malik Beasley is playing some of the best basketball of the season of the season for him. And he's just shooting the ball with so much confidence. Um, he was he had a step back three. Nuggets went on a 16-0 run in that second quarter. And one of the three points was from Malik Beasley being on fire. And he runs in transition, gets into the you know one step across the three-point line, then steps back and hits a three. I mean, this guy... I'm starting to move him into the territory of like not just does he need to like play and start, but he he's moving ahead of some people. Let's put it that way. He's moving ahead of some people on the depth chart for me in terms of guys Denver needs to you know consider as long term pieces. Um, Spurs were a bit flustered, by the way, in this moment. So Denver, when I talk about they were feeling them, the the Spurs Denver rallies all the way back to take a lead uh, and a sizable lead. I think eight or nine at one point. And DeMar DeRozan gets a technical foul because Torrey Craig sprints into the lane, grabs an offensive rebound, and just was generally being a pest. And DeMar DeRozan gets a, a tech for kind of shoving him, and that was just a pissed-off shove. Um, Barton's travel, so Barton comes back into the game, and, and and like I said, I don't think Malone has done him any favors by sticking with him this long. I was all for, and you guys know listening to the show, I was all for giving Barton a long, long leash. When he came back this season in February, I thought, you know, give him all the way till Mar- mid-March, you know, whatever, maybe even to the playoffs to kind of get into rhythm. But as the season went on, you kind of saw like, man, he's just not getting it. His confidence isn't there. And I think as the end of season approached, the final two, three weeks, that that was when you wanted to make, in my opinion, you wanted to make a change and try to get somebody else in there. And now that the playoffs have happened and, you know, he's booed at home and it, it's so clear that he is a huge negative in this series, 
I don't think he's done I, Malone's you know loyalty thing. I understand the perspective on it, and it's with a guy like Murray who's young and, and such an important piece of the core. I, I understand that part, but with Barton, you know, I think that it, Malone's loyalty has actually hurt him and actually cost his confidence because now he's out there and he just looks shook. And there was so Barton gets a. Uh, turnover on the inbound that may or may not have been his fault. Malik Beasley, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul Millsap falls down as the inbound pass comes. It's an unlucky play. Next play, Barton jumps into a travel. Like he, I mean, this is how shook he was. He jumps into a travel, um, and then he has a wide open three because Rudy Gay just like is giving that defense where he's standing in the restricted area, daring him to shoot, and he shoots it and misses wide. To me, it w- it was over. That was um, his confidence. I think was so so done. I mean, it's been done for a while, but at that point in this game, to me, if I was Michael Malone and the Nuggets had just blown that nine-point lead that the second unit um, had built and those three plays happened in a row, to me, I, I take him out of the game right then and there, and I'm surprised that Malone stuck with, stood with him that long. I think it was a mistake. But again, Murray was more meaningfully bad in this game, and the numbers bear it out, and God, I don't know how you could have watched that game, especially the second, especially that fourth quarter, um, which had nothing to do with Barton, and thought that Murray was not the storyline here. But nonetheless, Barton was so bad and needs to be out there. And I just, I, I can't envision a scenario at this moment. I can't envision a scenario where he is, um, you know, like a positive impact player on any minutes. You, if Malone wants to stick with him and give him 15 minutes, I think at best you could say the Spurs aren't going to guard him. So at best he can knock down his wide open shots and play the way that he did today. And that, you know, passing up a lot of looks, but just trying to be a, a role player um, and maybe in improving his defense. But, but beyond that, I can't imagine it. Um, so and then White, Derek White just keeps going right. It, it was humiliating. I mean, Murray for some reason just kept forgetting this for whatever reason. Derek White was getting into the paint. The Spurs' paint points were ridiculous tonight. Um, Sixty-two points in the paint to Denver's forty-two, and so many of those points were just Derek White running downhill at Jamal Murray, making some kind of one one move, like not like a, a complex move, but a fake one way go the other, and just getting right to the rim. I mean, he was he was living at the rim in a way that again I thought it was. Humiliating. Humiliating. Watching this, watching this game, I honestly felt bad for Jamal Murray because this is the bright lights. I think a lot of people are going to be writing about this. It was that lopsided uh, of a matchup. That's so bad they switched Barton onto him. Same result. Barton, uh, you know, it's bad when you're saying, "Oh God, we have to get we have to get anybody else on him." Um, and Barton was on there, but Barton, same result. He just he can't defend him either. Um, Millsap picked up his third foul. I think that was sneaky. Uh, you know, kind of big for Denver. Denver was rattled at this point. Spurs are on a run. They go to Hacka Plumley, which is which is rough. Um, Trey Lyle subbed in in the final minute of the game. Two possessions, two offensive rebounds for Jakob Pertl, which is, I don't know why he was guarding him, but he was. Um, Trey Lyles, I mean, you have to stay ready, and, and and those offensive rebounds weren't anything, but Trey Lyles just could not, like, push him back or back him off or, or, or block him out. Um, and that, I thought that was a killer. Down the stretch, Denver's only down 61-58 at the half, but you give two second-chance buckets off of the final possession when Trey Lyles was in for two games. Um, really, really tough break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
So I mentioned it wasn't just defensively for Jamal Murray. The other end, they're exposing, you know, the Spurs, I think, game plan has gone to expose his greatest weakness. They're dumped, they're loading up on Yoke. They're not giving him and Gary, they're trying not to give him or Gary Harris looks. They're playing off of Craig, they're playing off of Barton, playing off of Millsap and Plumley, playing off of Monte. Um, Malik's really the only guy that they, you know, and Gary Harris, the only two guys, I'm sorry, Malik, Gary Harris, and, Ma- and Jamal Murray, the only three guys you could see they're like, you know, quick to close out and hard closing out. But the reason they can get away with it on Jamal Murray is because he can't make them punish off the dribble. You have to, if a guy's running out at you to close out, you have to be able to get around him. And Jamal Murray just cannot. This is another part of it. The fact that he only had two field goals in this game and the fact that he only had six attempts in 31 minutes, that is the definition of getting bottled up. And some of those attempts were bad. Some of those attempts were just him getting his shot blocked because Derek, you know, he gets a shot up, but Derek White is right there. And Derek White didn't get credited with every block but some of those were his hand was right there ready to block so Jamal Murray kind of throws the ball in the air to nobody this was an I mean I'm, I I could not believe how lopsided that matchup was and in a way that I don't think it was like oh this what an off night for Jamal Murray um, they put Murray on Forbes, and I'm gonna again. I'm gonna go deep dive on this. They put him on on Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes had four of his ten points immediately when Gary when Jamal Murray checked onto him. This one play in particular, Derek White gets into the teeth of the defense. Um, Denver rotates well to to contest him. He jumps out of bounds, throws kind of a pass cross court to Bryn Forbes, and Jamal Murray, who's guarding him, is flat footed with his back to Bryn Forbes because he's just watching the play. Bryn Forbes gets into the paint, gets fouled, gets to the free throw line. Um, so again, Jamal Murray, these are things that have been established over time with him. Um, the defense, this isn't new. His defense has been bad. His habits have been, have been bad. Um, but there is, it hasn't been in a playoff series. You're starting to get exposed for those bad habits that you've developed. Um, and, and I just have a note in here. Derek White is a stud. I, I can't rave about this dude enough. The Nuggets go down nine, and then they replace Murray and Barton um, with Monte and Beasley. And immediately, here's so here's where you need to have some silver lining. And here's where I say the series is not over. Denver can start to make it. They have to make the adjustments. Um, but here's where they can be make the adjustments. Um, a little bit more spacing and a little bit more steady defense from Monte and, and Malik Beasley. And all of a sudden, Denver goes back on a run, but the way they went on a run is important. Jokic gets one-on-one coverage because now you have an extra floor spacer in there uh, in Beasley who they're they're not helping off of. Uh, Monte Morris knows what to do, how to get the ball to where it's supposed to go. Jokic, six quick points on three or four consecutive possessions, and he had another one, uh, I call them, they're called boogie boards, where he attacks, the ro- defense rotates, he throws the ball up on the rim, Plumlee has an easy, because the defense rotated, Plumlee has an easy offensive put back so it was really eight points right in a row as soon as they made that substitution that substitution came six minutes into the second quarter Jokic played three minutes with that group and um, they cut the lead down to three points with that group so there's reason to hope that the Spurs' game plan is so centered around taking advantage of Barton being just a complete negative right now on the offensive end or a complete zero and Jamal Murray not being able to keep Derek White in front of him and Jamal Murray not being able to get dribble penetration. So much of their game plan is around that. So with Murray, you're going to ride with him. But can you get him to you know to buy in a little bit more defensively? I mean, I, I, you have to imagine... After game one, you know, everybody made a big deal about, uh, oh, he missed that shot at the end, and, and Jamal Murray went up to the practice court and got a bunch of shots up, and I know a lot of Nuggets fans were like, ooh, that's inspiring, but my takeaway from that one was he needs to go look at the film and see that he can't guard Derek White. That's the bigger storyline, so... um 
and it happened in game two. Remember, Der- Jamal Murray had three points going into the fourth quarter. He caught fire, hit some insane shots, as he, and that's the value of him. But game two had a lot of the same things from game one and game three. It's just the fourth quarter disguised all of that. Um, but to me, but, but Denver can bounce back if Jamal Murray kind of buys in, recognizes the game plan, and then just takes it personally. Derek White... And he talked about this after the game, and, and he didn't want to give too much fuel to the fire. He was pissed at how much Jamal Murray was strutting after that fourth quarter because the truth was Derek White outplayed him for three quarters in game two. Jamal Murray, t- t- tip your hat, he, he earned it. He, he had a phenomenal fourth quarter. But, you know, he comes out and wears the NBA Jam t-shirt with himself on it. He was strutting in that post game. He was he was giving a little flavor to it. He shows up to the arena today wearing a Charles Barkley t-shirt, you know, and he's strutting. He's doing all the stuff that stars do, and Derek White took personal offense to it. He this was a personal game. This was what it looks like when a guy takes offense to another player outplaying him in a quarter, but also just takes offense to a way a guy acts. And Derek White, you could see it. You can watch the post game on our YouTube channel. He took offense to it, and this was a butt kicking. Now the onus is on Jamal Murray. He's going to go back to the drawing board. He's going to be looking, hopefully, looking at film tonight and tomorrow. And, you know, doing all the mental preparation it takes. And hopefully he answers the challenge and comes back and grows from this experience. The playoffs, you know, I'm not saying these things to rag on him and say, Jamal Murray, it's hopeless, you know, anything like that. But the playoffs are all about you being confronted with what, you can, what you're bad at. And Jamal Murray is being confronted in, in front of everybody with what he is bad at. And I'm really, really, really interested to see how he bounces back in Game 4. He's a pretty mentally strong guy, but I don't think he has ever been exposed the way that he has so far in this series. And so now, ball's back in his court. He gets a chance to bounce back. Like I said, the series is only 2-1. There's at least two more games for him to kind of figure it out and, and, and bounce back. But the silver lining, that, that second unit, uh, or I'm sorry, that... Jokic, Harris, Millsap unit with Beasley and Monte looked really, really good and has looked really, really good um, throughout this series. To end the quarter, I thought there was... Denver could have taken the lead into the fourth quarter, which I think just psychologically would have been a really huge. Derek White's out of the game, so part of this is... As much as people are talking about Nuggets lineups and, oh, when Barton wasn't in there, we were doing this, or when Murray wasn't in there, we were doing this, the the real, I, I think, like tipping point was when Derek White wasn't in there, Denver could make runs. When he was in there, it doesn't matter who was on the floor, Denver was getting destroyed. So some of this you have to take, you know, you have to look at both ends of the coin here. But at the end, Denver could have taken a lead, but two pivotal calls um, went against them. A foul on Harris that I thought was a jump ball. DeRozan drives in. It looked like Gary Harris had his hands on the ball. They call it, they, they call a foul instead of a jump ball. He hits two free throws. And then another one with DeRozan at the end. Um, it looked like Torrey Craig did a really good job of staying vertical. They didn't show the replay in the arena. So And usually when that happens, I assume that it means the home team um, you know, had got the favorable call, so they don't want to show the replay so you see that. Um, but nonetheless, those two plays went against Denver, and as a result, they get four free throws, and they're up four. So Denver could have been in the lead going into the fourth, which I think would have been huge. Um, sneaky big play in the fourth quarter, and, and this is where I talked about the this entire game was Derek White just dominating Murray, but where it really fell apart for Denver. Um, Derek White rips Jamal one-on-one. He's just guarding him one-on-one, jumps his right hand, steals the ball, goes coast-to-coast, and gives Bellinelli a three-pointer in transition. And that pushed the lead to seven uh, when Denver was you know, within striking distance. Seven is right beyond striking distance, um, but psychologically it's huge. You go from being able to cut it to two to them pushing it to seven. I thought that was really big. 
The next play, Derek White goes coast to coast for an and one. So now it's 10. Um, another sneaky back, uh, big play. Jokic is back in. Nuggets had gotten a few stops and a few scores. So again, they're right there. Um, about ready to cut it. I, I think it's eight points at this point, and, and Denver's kind of on a little bit of a roll. Uh, Jokic is back in the game. They get a pick and roll with uh, Monte Morris, who steps right into an elbow free throw line um, mid-range jumper with nobody contesting it, and he misses. Um, that would have cut the lead down to six, uh, and it would have been a three-score run. You know, Denver scores three consecutive times. They cut it to six. There's like six minutes to go or maybe eight minutes to go, something like that, and you think, okay, if you hit that one, you, you have a little momentum, but then it quickly ballooned to 14. So instead of cutting it to six, they go down from eight and score three times in a row. Um, and next thing you know, it's 14 and it's completely over. Um, to finish the game or the meaningful part of the game before, you know, garbage time, uh, to finish the competitive part of the game, I should say, Derek White pulled everybody out, told everybody to clear out, and went at Jamal one-on-one three times in a row, and three times in a row got a, got a score. And then he kind of stood over him and just kind of looked at him and kind of gave him the look. I'm telling you, he took this game personal, and he absolutely humiliated Jamal. So, um, you know, again, I, I've been really hard on Jamal because I, I have to stress as much. I see a lot of people throwing a bunch of, like, different things out of here. This game was about one thing and one thing only, and it was Jamal Murray versus Derek White. But the flip side, Denver has an opportunity to, to bounce back now in Game 4, and specifically Jamal Murray has an opportunity to come back. I, I can't tell you how excited and just how curious I am to see how Jamal Murray plays in Game 4. Um, and I'm actually curious just to see him talk, if he talks to the media tomorrow or at shoot-around on Saturday. I'm just curious to see where his mind's at because um, he's a tough guy. We know mentally... You know, we the training and all the different things. We know he has been a guy that has bounced back uh, in big moments, and I fully expect him to answer the call. But at the same time, the sh- the weaknesses in his game that Derek White has been able to expose those aren't things you fix overnight. But certainly, they're things he can focus on in this series to try to give him a better chance. And lastly, I will say, with some of the getting around, uh, some of the offensive aspects to to Murray's game. I think Will Barton being on the court with him has been a big hindrance. Um, I don't want to overstate that because I think it's a small hindrance um, as evidenced by the fact that Barton didn't play in the second half and Murray still only had one basket, one one single basket, and it was a three-pointer. But nonetheless... I do think that, you know, with a little bit of lineup tinkering, maybe playing more minutes with Beasley alongside Jamal Murray and and, and obviously alongside Nikola Jokic, it might provide a few more opportunities for him to get into the paint. But right now, the paint is off limits for him because Derek White has said it's off limits for him. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Like I said, I... I, I the next episode will probably be late Sunday afternoon or even Sunday night because of the travel schedule. The Nuggets are going to play Saturday, um, and then I will fly back to Denver very early on Sunday morning. I'm not. Sh- I do not think I will be able to um, get a show up in time before I get home. So that show might become a little bit late, just as a heads up. But obviously, it will be coming at some point, and hopefully, it's a Nuggets win. When I haven't recorded shows, generally speaking, the Nuggets have gotten wins. So maybe that trend will continue with this one. Thanks for tuning in everybody don't forget to check out the entire locked on network if you want to follow locked on rockies jenner garcia has you covered locked on broncos cody rourke has you covered and then any of the teams you want to see what the spurs are talking about from this game go ahead and check that one out too locked on spurs locked on nba with anthony irwin did a show and talked some nuggets on that one uh as well so check out all the locked on network for whatever your favorite teams are and i'll see you next time thank you for listening to the locked on nuggets podcast 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.